The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent, because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this, He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. These are the words of the Apostle Paul when he spoke to those in Athens, and they carry as much truth now as they did that day two millennia ago. Because the man of whom Paul spoke, Jesus, both the Son of God and the Son of Mary, still lives and is returning soon in power as judge and king. Now the last of the Old Covenant prophets, John the Baptist, warned people to prepare for Jesus' coming, and he said that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Which is really a strange statement if you think about it, but as we'll see, this baptism of spirit and fire has everything to do with Jesus' resurrection from the dead and that judgment day Paul preached about, that day when God will judge the world with righteousness. So in this episode, we'll explore why that is and what exactly John meant when he prophesied about these strange baptisms of Jesus. Welcome, I'm Michael Finnegan, and this is episode one of Spirit and Fire. Okay, before we dig into this statement by John the Baptist, let me just say it is very difficult to find a podcast name. I was looking around on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, come up with an idea and search it, and it seems like everyone and their grandmother has a podcast at this point. Uh, So when I came across the idea of Spirit and Fire, I saw it wasn't taken, and then I realized this is actually quite appropriate. It encapsulates the entirety of the gospel, the good news, and our Christian walk. It covers everything from Jesus' life, his death, and resurrection through when he will return again in the future and judge the world with righteousness, as Paul puts it. It's not something you hear too much about. I can't remember the last time I heard a sermon, if ever, on the topic of what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. But we'll talk about it today, so let's get started. So this statement of John the Baptist regarding Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Spirit and fire is taken from Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And if you recall, in Matthew 3, we come across a man, a prophet actually, by the name of John the Baptist. He's the cousin of Jesus. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit since birth. He's preaching about the coming kingdom. And in 3 verse 2, we read, Repent, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So John the Baptist is preaching, baptizing. And in verse 11, we come across this statement. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Now, who's John talking about here? He's talking about Jesus, of course. Jesus is the one who's coming after John, who is mightier than John the Baptist, whose sandals John is not worthy to carry. So, John the Baptist is prophesying about the coming of Jesus. Then he says this in the second half of verse 11. He, Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So this is the focus of our discussion. Now let's start with the basics. So what does it mean to baptize? We need to understand what it means to baptize before we can understand what it means, of course, to be baptized with the Spirit and also fire. So in the beginning of verse 11, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance. So John is baptizing with water. And if you've grown up in a church context, this makes sense. This, when we think of baptize, to be baptized with water, this is, this is what we think of, right? So to be baptized with water, that also lines up with the Greek. Uh, the verb behind baptize is baptizo. The Greek verb is baptizo. 
and it means to immerse, to plunge. Sometimes it's used of washings. Uh, in general, in secular usage, we see it used for drownings or sinking, being under or surrounded by water, especially. And baptizo is actually an intensification of a similar verb, bapto, which simply means to dip or dye cloth. But in the New Testament, bapto is used a couple times, I believe four times. But when we look at John's baptism or kind of the Christian baptism as we typically think of it, the verb baptizo is used, this intensified form of bapto. The well-known Jewish historian Josephus used baptizo in reference to the sinking of a ship and also those on the ship drowning or being submerged by water. For example, in describing the story of Jonah in from the Bible, Jonah, he says that the ship that Jonah was on was about to sink because of the storm. And the verb here, to sink, is actually baptizo. Okay, So all that to say, John's baptism with water for repentance, uh, for the forgiveness of sins, this baptism with water is what we would expect. Now, the question becomes, how do we take this basic understanding of baptize, of baptism, and apply it to John's statement that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire? That's where it gets more difficult. Let's start with, let's break this apart. Let's start with baptize with the Holy Spirit. So this is a little more strange, um, but just as baptize can be used of drowning, to be surrounded by water, it metaphorically can also be used of being overwhelmed by something. So if you can imagine as your body sinks into the water, the, the water covers you, you are overwhelmed, you are completely immersed by the water. Well, that can be applied metaphorically to being overwhelmed or surrounded by something besides water. So if we go back to Josephus again, Josephus, in one place, writes of crowds pouring into Jerusalem during the time of the revolt against Rome. He writes, quote, in the end, that they, in the end, overwhelmed the city. And overwhelmed here is the Greek verb baptizo. In a similar instance, Plutarch writes of those, quote, immersed by affairs, meaning they're immersed by their business affairs, the administrative tasks that they have to tend to. And uh, so it's implying being overwhelmed. And again, the Greek verb behind it is the same verb, baptizo. So if you're reading the Gospel of Matthew or perhaps Luke, and you come across the word baptize, you would have some familiarity with how the verb is used, not just in a strictly literal sense, but also metaphorically. Okay. Uh, now, thankfully, we're not left totally in the dark here. We can look to Scripture to help us interpret what this means outside of just looking at the original language. And it's used in Acts chapter 1. All right, so if, let me read that. So Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 is where we'll take a look. And it says in verse 4, And while staying with them, Jesus, is talking about Jesus right now. He's, he's, he's died, he's risen, and he has not yet ascended. So in Acts 1, it says, And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them, the disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus promised them. He said that the disciples should stay uh, stay in Jerusalem. And then he contrasts John's baptism with his baptism. John baptized with water, but you, referring to the disciples, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is in Acts 1. Now if we move forward in Acts, keep reading, and we get to Acts chapter 2, we see the fulfillment of this promise. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1, I'll start reading there. It says, When the day of the Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, 
and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So that's Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through uh, 4. So this is the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. So to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is synonymous with being filled with the Holy Spirit. To be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit is the same thing. So that makes sense with our study on the Greek verb baptizo. If it means to be overwhelmed, to be overcome, to be immersed in something, not just water. In this case, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like being overwhelmed, being submerged, being surrounded by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. This person of the Holy Spirit fills you. And this is not just a theological teaching. This is a spiritual reality. It's something that is very real. And the love of God, the peace of God, God's presence can almost be tangibly experienced when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. And this is what they experienced back in Acts chapter 2. So that's baptism with the Holy Spirit. I'll probably have another podcast at some point delving into that more, the concept of what it means to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, because I think it's a neglected teaching far too often. But let's move on for now. So I was looking through some of the early church fathers, trying to see if there's any commentary on this concept of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I came across one quote from John Chrysostom, who is a Greek-speaking church father from the 4th century. And he explains in his homily in Matthew 3 that there's a difference between a simple giving of the Holy Spirit and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So for Chrysostom, being baptized suggests the abundance of God's grace, being overwhelmed, the overabundance of God's grace, which lines up with what we've been seeing uh, from the Greek and also the uh, Bible. So that makes sense. And of course, this gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift of God himself. His presence, his person in the Holy Spirit, which brings about a change in our life, a softening of our heart, a guidance so that we can become more like Christ. He helps our reconciliation with God by empowering us to live a new life in holiness, to be more like Christ as we yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this gift, here's an important point, this gift is a result of Jesus' first coming, his first appearance. So because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and ascension, God now gives us, Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit, okay, so we are not left as orphans. So this is a result of the first coming, all right, keep that in mind. Now let's switch focus to the idea of being baptized by fire. What does it mean to be baptized by fire? This is even more unusual than the concept of being baptized with the Spirit, which we see being discussed elsewhere in Scripture. But here, and also in Luke, is the only time we see this phrase, baptized by fire or with fire. So is this just referring to being filled with the Holy Spirit, the same concept, but uh, maybe phrased in a slightly different way? Oftentimes you come across this in charismatic and Pentecostal circles as a reference uh, to Acts 2 when we see that flames of fire descend on each one of the believers as they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So God's presence is seen physically, visually, in fire as it comes upon them. The Holy Spirit cleanses us and purifies us through this fire, it seems. So that's one possible interpretation, but I think there's more to it than just that, although you can't deny the correlation, the association of fire with the Holy Spirit because it's in Scripture. It's right there. Now, but I think there's something more to John's statement. So if we look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, we look at the context both before and after, I believe that to be baptized with the Holy Spirit speaks 
of coming judgment, judgment that Jesus himself will bring upon the world, ultimately upon those who reject God. So he both brings the Holy Spirit, but then also judgment. Now, where do I get this from? Well, let's look at the context, okay? So immediately before verse 11, when he talks about being baptized with the Spirit and fire, he says this to the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, coming to his baptism. He says, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And then verse 10, here's where we need to pay attention. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Very interesting. So here, just one verse prior, John the Baptist uses the word fire in reference to punishment. Those trees representing people, those trees that do not bear good fruit or good work, are cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, this is a picture of judgment as a result of Jesus' coming, of his appearance on earth. And then immediately after verse 11, he says this in verse 12, his winnowing fork, again talking about Jesus, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Interesting. Again, a picture of judgment, a separation from the wheat and the chaff. The wheat will be spared, but the chaff will be burned with fire, not just any fire, but unquenchable fire. And this term of unquenchable fire will be used by Jesus when speaking of Gehenna, or in our English translations, hell. So again, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, well, that term fire is used of punishment immediately before the statement in verse 10 and after in verse 12, both times referring to judgment. So to be baptized with fire seems to be a reference to coming judgment. It's a counterpart to being baptized with the Spirit. The Spirit brings reconciliation with God, but fire is the consequence for those who reject God. It's judgment. It is coming punishment. And this actually lines up with some of the prophets in the Old Testament. One example of this is the last of the Old Testament prophets, Malachi. All right, so Malachi in our Christian Bibles is immediately before Matthew, the last book of the Old Testament. And in Malachi chapter 3 and then also 4, it prophesies both about the coming of John the Baptist and then also the coming of Jesus after him. And when it talks about the coming of Jesus, he uses the language of fire, of judgment. So let's take a look at this. Malachi 3 verse 1, it says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, this is John the Baptist, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord, that would be Jesus, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings and righteousness. Okay, so here we see the coming of Jesus after John the Baptist prophesied. And the coming of Jesus is described as one of terror, of of coming fire, a purification by fire, purifying the sons of Levi so that their offerings are done in righteousness. Very interesting. Now, if we move down to Malachi 4, we see the same sort of language associating fire with the coming of Jesus. 
So Malachi 4 verse 1 says, For behold, the day is coming burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. So again, the type of language used here between Malachi and what John the Baptist was saying is almost identical. The the evildoer will be chaff, and then they will be burned. They will be set ablaze. Well, this is very similar to what John the Baptist was saying, the Sadducees and Pharisees and those coming to listen to him. If you then look at uh, Malachi 4 verse 3, it says, You will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing. So again, another illustration, another picture of fire and the result of fire, which is ashes. All that to say, the prophet Malachi describes the coming of Jesus as being one of fire. Then John the Baptist comes on the scene, the last of really the Old Covenant-type prophets, even though he's in the New Testament. And he also declares this, that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. And immediately after describing this fire, he talks about the wheat being separated from the chaff and the chaff being burned with unquenchable fire. So I think it's talking about a future judgment, the fire that is coming that will judge and purify the world. So the Holy Spirit was poured out as a result of Jesus' first coming. He was born, he lived, he died, he was resurrected back to life, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And as a result, God has poured out the Holy Spirit upon us. That's the result of the first coming. But the second coming is this baptism with fire. The second coming will bring complete immersion, overwhelming of the world with fire. Now, of course, those who have the Holy Spirit, who are led by the Holy Spirit, they will be spared from the punishment of this fire. But this fire is a coming promise. It is something that will happen to the whole world, and we need to be ready for it. We need to prepare our hearts for that coming day of judgment. So I hope that helps you understand what John the Baptist meant when he said that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, let me quickly explain what this podcast is about. Well, for starters, uh, here we'll be doing an in-depth study of the Bible, not just prancing around the surface, but looking at Scripture with fresh eyes interpreting it within its historical and social context, referencing the original languages of Hebrew and Greek, perhaps even a little Aramaic if you're lucky, uh, consulting early church fathers, being aware just in general of theological developments throughout church history, bringing in encouragement from the underground and persecuted church. Um, Let's see what else. Some discernment as well, I think, uh, coming across some YouTube clips of teachers that maybe are a wee bit off the mark when it comes to their theological and biblical teaching. So we'll analyze that and talk about it. So yeah, all of this, of course, with the end goal, the purpose to know God, to know Jesus, and follow him more closely. So yeah, I'm not interested in propping up man-made traditions, certain denominations, creeds, although they have their place. But uh, we really need to get back to the Bible to know what it actually says, and more importantly, apply it in our lives so that we can be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit to put a death sin, the old ways behind us, and move forward, stand strong until the end when Jesus comes. So I hope you join me. I set up a Facebook page, just search Spirit and Fire Podcast. You can email me at spiritandfirepodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. But yeah, until next time, God bless.